Did you know that there are more than 1.97 million blog posts published online every single day? That's on WordPress alone. And let's not forget about the millions of social media updates that are sent out to accompany those blog posts as well. GIFs, photos, videos, and stories fill our feeds with enough content to last a lifetime. Jay Bear has been building audiences online and off for more than 20 years. His approach to content marketing is simple, yet incredibly effective. Jay shares the steep challenges that marketers are facing today and the four ways that you as a marketer can fix your broken content marketing and social media programs. You're competing against everything, right? And so we, we lull ourselves into believing that our competition is our competition, but in social and content, that's not true. Your competition is the whole world. I'm Brian Peters, and this is The Science of Social Media, a podcast by Buffer, an intuitive way to manage your social media with scheduling and analytics. Let's kick things off. Here's my chat with Jay. Today, we have the president of Convince and Convert. I could probably spend the next 15 minutes talking about all the awesome things Let's do that, that he is up we to. We should make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all honestly should. It could be amazing. It could actually make for an entire podcast episode, but we have Jay Bear on the show with us today. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Brian, delighted to be here. Thank you for having me on the Buffer podcast and all the great work that you and the rest of the Bufferites are doing uh, every day. Super proud of you guys. It's our pleasure, Jay. And it was really great meeting you in person last week at Social Media Marketing World. What do you think of the conference? Oh, man, it's always one of my favorite events of the year just because you have this mass concentration of people who are really serious about social. And lots of my uh, friends uh, from around the, the blogosphere, as we used to call it, and nice to kind of catch up with everybody and lots of good content and uh, some really interesting sessions. We had four people on the Convince Convert team speaking this year. So that was kind of fun and uh, lots of clients there too. So it was a blast. Awesome. Well, congrats to your team. So for anybody who didn't make the conference, Jay, what what would you say like your biggest takeaway was? Well, there's a lot fewer Snapchat sessions than there were last year. That's definitely <laughs> a takeaway. Uh, and, a, and a huge lack of Google Plus sessions. Um, yeah, yeah. It is fascinating though how how the the sessions of that conference tend to change and reflect kind of what's hot in social uh, today. There were, I think, five or six Facebook ad sessions mm -hmm. this year. And last year, I think there was two. So that's really reflective of of social moving from organic to paid. And I, and I would say that's definitely one of the overarching takeaways is that people are, are sort of like, well, I guess this is the new reality that in many cases, this is going to be a paid circumstance. That's not always true, of course. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit today. But um, for, for a lot of folks, that that is, uh, that is reality. I spent a lot of time uh, there this year working on the social customer service track, which is one of the things that I, I spend time doing and uh, that our team consults on as well. So it's nice to see a whole... Uh, section on social customer service this year for the first time that was uh, gratifying certainly yeah absolutely so let's let's get right into it the so the four ways to fix your broken content marketing so maybe you could set us up a little bit what's wrong or what in your opinion is there something wrong with content marketing and social media today well to say that it's wrong might be um miscast but but i think it's safe to say that for most practitioners it is more difficult to succeed than it's ever been uh partially because you've got so many more people trying to succeed you've got more and more people using social certainly more and more companies creating content of every size shape and description and and as as mark schaefer has talked about a lot in his content shock thesis there is a 
finite amount of attention that people can give to anything in social or in content marketing. Like people still have to raise their kids, right? And like go to their job and uh, and go to church and eat food and you know things that get in in the way of consuming content in social and online. And and so we've got a limited resource, which is attention, and an increasing number of people fighting for that resource. Um, so consequently, the state of of content marketing today is kind of like Mad Max. Like if you saw that movie where everybody's like fighting over gasoline and water, um, yeah. that's kind of where we're at, right? Except gasoline and water is attention. And so it gets harder and harder and harder. And I think we all know that. Some of us know it mathematically. Others of us know it intuitively. But what I just see in, in the consulting side of our business and working and interacting with lots and lots of people out there is not a lot of changes to how people actually create and promote content. So we, we all know that the content game has changed, but yet most people are still using the same playbook. And that's probably a recipe for disappointment. Yeah, definitely. So why do you think people are continuing to use the, I guess, this old sort of playbook that you're talking about? Is it because everybody else is doing it? Is it sometimes working for them? Or why do you think people continue to put out content as their main form of like marketing? Well, I think content still works. You just have to do it differently. So some of it is is exactly what you said. There, There's enough successes that they're like, oh, it still works because every once in a while, even if you do it unintentionally, it's going to work, right? It's like if you fire bullets off over your head consistently, eventually you're going to hit a bird. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing is true in content. You have like this breakout blog post or this video that that gets disproportionate number of views or whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, the, you know, it's all good. But really, it's not all good. You just kind of had a, a an outlier uh, of success. So that's part of it. Second thing is if you, if you say, Hey, we've got to totally change what we're doing. You are by definition admitting that what you're doing before is, is, is less than optimal. And that, that's sort of an ego, uh, problem. Mm-hmm. And in some cases to, to change how and what you do in content and in social requires a change to your budget, to your personnel, to your, other resources, which creates a lot of internal angst and friction in your organization. And some people may just be like, meh, just keep on keeping on. It's too much trouble to change it, right? Why rock the boat? Right. That makes total sense. And I think you said something interesting in the, in your video as well. The performance of the average piece of content is plummeting as well. So it's not like content is getting worse per se, right? I mean, we might be no. still seeing the same level of content. It's just, it's just misses. a lot more. It's hits and misses, right? So, so the, the content business right now has taken on the same mathematical characteristics. And, and I saw this coming years ago and started talking about it years ago, but the content business has taken on the mathematical characteristics of the music business and the book publishing business, which is that you have a handful of hits and a ton of misses, right? That, that most content and most music and most books do not succeed by any measure. And every once in a while, you have breakouts that that do succeed. And so where we're at today in content, it's not about necessarily creating a sustained level of content that works every day. It's about how do you craft hits? How do you craft uh, hooks? How do you, how, you know, how do you be the, the Pharrell of, of content marketing in your own organization? Definitely. But that, for me, that begs the question, you know, cause we've been blogging at Buffer for a long time, the same comprehensive blog post, And it's almost like first to the market, first to the game, sort of like I- yeah. idea with our blog. Do you think it's too late for, for some blogs or do you think there's still opportunities for written content out there in the long run? 
oh, there's definitely opportunities, uh, you know, to, to say, Chris Brogan wrote a post about this on Friday, um, about, hey, you know, is, is, is blogging passe, right? Is there no, is there no future for blogs? I don't, I don't think that's true. And, and neither does he, you can still succeed with a blog, you've just got to be disproportionately good, or interesting or different or creative. And most people aren't, nor, nor will they be. Um, it, you know, it used to be a lot easier, right? First to market, be pretty good, and that was good enough. And it's just not anymore. Nowhere is it in the music business or the book publishing business either. Um, cream rises eventually, and and we're at the point now where where you can't just create content; you have to be disproportionately good at it. Yep. Well, let's get into it because I know there's some really great takeaways that you have to share with the audience today, and and basically the four ways that you came up with to fix your broken content marketing. And we're going to throw some social media takeaways in there as well. So, cool. so Jay, what's your number one piece of advice for fixing that broken content marketing? Well, my number one piece of advice is to admit you have a problem. And we just talked about that a second ago, right? That that none of this is going to make any sense. And you're not going to do any of the things that we talked about here in the next few minutes until or unless you say, you know what? We need to make some changes here. What What we're doing today is not effective enough. So let's try and seek a different avenue. And until you kind of make that mental shift, none of this is going to matter. And so that's that's really the most important thing. But it's it's funny, as a lot of my blog posts are, this started out as an off-the-cuff conversation with a consulting client, which always happens, right? So yeah, I'm yeah. On, the, on the phone with a big company who we're doing work for, and I'm talking about their content, and I'm kind of r- ranting and raving as I sometimes do. And I'm like, you know what you need to do? The four There's only four ways to fix your content. Bam, 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 bam. And I just kind of off the top of my head, I'm like, damn, that's a good blog post. I should, I should write that down. <laughs> So the first thing I said uh, to this client, which became the blog post, which became a Periscope, which became this show, is is you've got to think about fixing your content marketing topic, right? So ultimately, relevancy always wins. Relevancy is the killer app. Um, the, the one lie that every single marketer in the world tells themselves, including me and you, is my audience is too busy to consume my content. And that's totally not true. It has nothing to do with how busy they are. If your audience isn't consuming your content, it's because your content isn't relevant enough, period. Mm-hmm. Period, right? Can I stop so, you there and ask so a quick topic question? Is, topic is really important. Yeah, go ahead. So I was, I was, the first thing that comes up there is, do you mean relevant by time-wise, like happening in the news now or relevant to the audience in particular or both? Both. Both. Okay. Because some people some people want content that's in the news now and is timely and topical. Other people don't. As I as I wrote about in this post, like you're competing against everything, right? And so we 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 lull ourselves into believing that our competition is our competition. But in social and content, that's not true. Your competition is the whole world. Right. It's mm-hmm. not like you know, people only look at Buffer or Social Media Examiner or my blog or whatever. They're looking at everything. So as I mentioned here, Kim Kardashian was recently robbed of all of her jewels. Okay. She's like America's princess for good or bad. She was robbed (laughs) of her jewels in Paris. That's your competition for attention, right? So, you know, knocking out a blog post that's essentially features and benefits about your product, that doesn't stand a chance. Right. Uh, against that kind of story. So you've you've just got to be really specific. And so one of the techniques that we use at Convince a Convert on the consulting side is a content gap analysis system that we call the five by five by five. So the way it works is most companies have approximately five personas, five different customer archetypes. And most companies have five stages of their consideration funnel. 
Um, so interest, uh, you know, awareness, interest, action, etc. cetera. Uh, and then what we've discovered is that in each of those circumstances, customers have approximately five questions that they need to have answered in their head in order to move to the next stage of the funnel. So if you think mm -hmm. about that, five personas, five funnel stages, five questions per funnel stage, it's five by five by five, which is 125. And so that's kind of the, if you think about a bingo card, that's like the content marketing bingo, right? Is these are the 125 questions about your business that customers need to have answered in order to buy from you. And that's the best place to start with content is to make sure that you're covering all those bases first. And that's not always exciting stuff, right? I mean, no. all of those questions aren't exciting, but what you argue that it's baseline and a necessity, correct? Yeah, and the reality is that most content that produces revenue isn't exciting. Right. Content that, produces a, content that produces attention is exciting, but most companies can't eat attention. You can't, you can't pay your employees in retweets, right? right? right. So, <laughs> so ultimately you have to convert attention to money. And that's this, this content that maps to customer questions, which is not as exciting to create or in many cases as exciting to consume, but is massively important because if you have an attention engine without a financial engine, you are going to attention yourself right out of business eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something we're kind of facing here at Buffer is we've kind of we've written on a lot of different, I guess, like attention grabbing topics over the years. And now yep. we're kind of thinking, you know, we haven't answered some of these baseline questions like we're right now we're creating a video on how to get started with Buffer. And you would think that right. we would have that video like already done. But we're kind of now realizing that a lot of these topics we need to go back and answer for our customers. Absolutely. Yeah. You cover all those bases. The way we think about it is you cover all the, the five by five by fives. And then you you flip it and then do more of the top of the funnel, interesting, cool stuff that's kind of a bigger uh, a bigger canvas to paint on that, that may not be uh, exactly about you. It transcends the transaction is the phrasing that we always use. Um, and, right. and then you sort of use those things to kind of cast this wider net and suck people into the funnel. Got it. Yeah, because once people see that attention-grabbing article, they're going to be like, oh, I have five more questions about this company. Where can I go to see it? Then they see a blog post from you. Bam, customer revenue done. Absolutely. <laughs> so goes the awesome. theory. Yeah, so goes the theory. Cool. So, all right, what's number two, Jay? What do you got for us? Uh, number two, the second thing you can do to fix your content marketing is is amplification, right? So, so we're at the point where the fact that you have content doesn't mean anything, right? Just because it exists doesn't mean it's going to get traffic or uh, or do anything for your business. Now, that wasn't always the case, right? We, are, we come from mm -hmm. an era where the existence of content was meaningful in and of itself. And because of competition and, uh, and, and attention deficit, it's not really true anymore. So you really have to think about how is anybody going to know that this content exists? Um, it's not like the old days when people had RSS feeds and they would get every blog post you ever wrote, right? Those days are long gone. And so uh, what a lot of people do, of course, is is they just press boost, right? And they're like, okay, I'm going to do some sort of Facebook ad campaign to show my blog post to some people and, you know, we're all done now. And, and certainly that works and it's fine, but but it's not really the best way to go about it. So we, we try and think of a uh, an inside out approach to amplification where you you first promote your content to employees and make sure that you've got an employee uh, advocacy program dialed in. Then you make sure that your current customers are getting access to your content, that they're excited about it. Then you talk to your current prospects, people who are actually, you know, known potential customers, and then you worry about new prospects. Mm -hmm. So... 
Some of it is is starting inside and going out. Some of it's using influencers, which we do a lot of consulting on influencer strategy. And then of course, some of it is just being smarter about your organic social and and resisting the temptation to to just keep putting stuff in social because it's easy to press the button. Yeah, absolutely. And it, that does happen to us at Buffer as well. We've been trying a lot more to kind of start with that internal approach. But when it comes to content amplification, where does social media fit into that? Is it like a, literally a one-on-one outreach on Twitter and Facebook or how does kind of social media yeah. fit into that amplification process? I, I've, I've done a complete 180 on this because the technology has changed so much, you know, with, mm-hmm. with, um, with algorithms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they literally punish you mathematically. If you publish something mediocre, if you put something in social that doesn't get strong engagement, it actually hurts the chances of your next piece of content breaking out because those, those platforms will hide it from people like for real, they will hide it. So I I used to think that you should promote everything in social and do it multiple times uh, because that really, really worked, but it doesn't really work as well. Now we've certainly seen that. I know you guys have seen that as well. You've published data mm-hmm. to that effect. And, and so, whereas the, the thesis has always been, let's say you write five blog posts a week, you should promote every single blog post everywhere in social. I don't know if that's true anymore. I, I think that, I think the the opportunity now would be, Hey, let's produce five blog posts. Let's wait 12 hours uh, see which of these blog posts actually gets an audience from our um, existing readership and the things that that seem more popular, then we're going to put that in, in social uh, organically and maybe paid as well, but essentially crafting hits as we talked about earlier, right? How, how do we how do we put more chips in the middle of the table on content that is disproportionately likely to succeed so that every time you put something out in organic Facebook, organic Twitter, organic Instagram, you've got a pretty good sense that it's going to succeed from an engagement perspective. If you do that, then then you start to gain more currency in those platforms. If you don't do that and you're putting stuff out that doesn't get a lot of engagement, you're actually fighting against yourself. It's, it's a slow poisoning of your own success. Yep. And that's such radical thinking change, Jay. And I can hear our audience, you know, silently cringing a little bit and me being in social media, the tip. Yeah. Like you said, the typical thought process is let's share everything because everything has a chance, but you know, knowing your audience and understanding your audience and saying, okay, even telling some, you know, your content writers that this might not be the best fit for social. It has other purposes, but kind of withholding things that you don't think are going to work the best is now a, a strategy for social media managers. And I can see that kind of not playing well at first, but really like benefiting your social media program. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to, you know, just take my advice, look at your own numbers, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. your data will bear it out. I mean, you know, we have seen a dramatic decrease in traffic to our site from Twitter since Twitter moved to, to algorithmic timeline instead yep. of time-based timeline, right? And, and because well. we're... They're, they're showing, you know, they're showing great posts to more people and they're hiding mediocre posts from people. And, mm-hmm. and when we publish every single thing in Twitter, not everything's great. Some of it's mediocre. That's just the truth. I'm not ashamed to admit it. So, no, absolutely. you know, you, it's, you're like, oh, okay. Um, so we're publishing just as much, but it's working less. Right. Maybe we should do something different. Definitely. And if I look at my Facebook insights for the buffer page over the last, like if I compared six months ago to this, the last six months, we've actually cut our posting frequency in half and our Mm -hmm. engagement has doubled. So, I mean, that's just a perfect example of what you're talking about. We went from 25 posts a day to eight. Wow. 
And how's the engagement? What happened to the engagement? I, I'm assuming it increased. Doubled. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. but I, I think biggest takeaway there is definitely look at your own numbers and experiment, but yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. There's no right yeah. answer, right? I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's no, there's no magic formula. It's just that, that, you know, look, here's the thing. Facebook said two years ago, maybe it's three years ago now, that when somebody logs onto Facebook, they are due, D-U-E, 1,500 pieces of content, okay? I'm sure that's more now, because again, it's been a couple of years. And so that means that every, of all the people you follow and all the businesses that you like, et cetera, uh, 1,500 pieces of content are, are associated with your profile. Well, they can't show you 1,500 pieces of content, neither can right. Twitter, neither can Instagram. So they're gonna show you the ones that they think are gonna work best. So if you don't, if you're not in that top 10%, no one's going to see it, which is why organic reach has fallen off. Um, so we all know that organic reach has fallen off, but instead of publishing less and only on only putting things in organic social that are really good, we've said, well, we'll just pay to promote it. We'll, we'll solve that problem right. by paying. And you can pay Facebook all of your money. And if it doesn't, if it's not good content or not great content, really, it's not going to work that well. Yep. Love it. All right, Jay, what do you got for number three? So the third one is to fix your content marketing format. So, you know, I, I have been in the blogging game for nine years. You guys have been in a long time too. I would say it's fair to say that, that most people um, knew me initially from uh, my blog and book, same thing with the buffer blog, you know, so we come from a writing uh, form of content. But now, of course, we're at the point where more and more and more people watch more and more and more video. We do some work with Vidyard, and they've got some new research that says that each day Americans read for 25 minutes and watch 72 minutes of online video. Wow. Holy cow, right? So (laughs) you don't have to be a genius to be like, hey, um, if the thing that I do is 25% of the thing that people spend time on, maybe we should do more of that other thing, right? right? So we're doing more and more videos like the Periscope we just talked about, like my uh, video show. Uh, we've got a number of other video programs that we work with at Convince and Convert. Um, obviously, we've got a whole network of podcasts. We are five shows a week, different shows, things like that. So mm-hmm. including Social Pros, which is my show. And, and so we're, we're always trying to to change how we can tell stories. So we've got to modify the content marketing format in some cases uh, to to achieve the kind of success we're looking for. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on this one. And I love the third takeaway here because social media is literally the perfect medium to do to do that because they have so now. many different it is options. Now. Yeah, with native yeah. video support, it really it didn't used to be, uh, right. but it absolutely is now. Yeah, you have live, you have native video, you have Facebook notes, you have Periscope, you have Snapchat, Instagram stories. I mean, there's so many different ways to tell the story of your content. And even if you start with writing a blog post, that's fine. But disseminating that information in different formats is key to really thriving in, you know, on social media, especially. That's one of the things that we think about a lot with clients and even on our own content is starting with video, because if you have video, you have audio. If you have video, you have a blog post, just transcribe it, right? And so if, if video becomes the nucleus of all your content, then you've got all the other stuff. Uh, it just requires kind of reworking your, your thinking and your content production uh, systems. Definitely. So when you when you go to a client and you say, okay, you have a hundred great blog posts, so the first thing you tell them is maybe try to create some short videos based on the blog post, or what? What would you tell like marketers looking to like create different formats? Of yeah. Their content? So let's let's find 
let's find the best blog posts, right? The ones that are disproportionately successful based on traffic, social shares, et cetera, and say, okay, how can we tell this story in different ways? Can we tell this story in a three minute video? Can we tell this story in a 30 second video? Can we tell this story in a 15 second video? Can we, you know, why is this, why is this post or this selection of posts popular? And when you start to think like that, uh, it makes actually content a lot easier to strategize. Cool, Jay. And how about number four? So the, the fourth way to, to fix your broken content marketing is to fix your content marketing creators. And, and my thesis here is that, look, some people are better at making content than other people. And because everybody makes content every day in their own way, like everybody sends email, uh, everybody, um, you know, talks to other people, right? So everybody's a content creator uh, in the whole world at some level, but not everybody is is of equal skill set in that. I mean, can you learn to be better at content? Of course you can. You can learn it from Buffer. You can learn it from podcasts, learn it from me, whatever. But does that mean that you're going to be great at it? No, man. I mean, not everybody can work on their own car either. Not everybody can can make lasagna. So what we have found is that as content becomes more and more important to more and more companies, what happens is that more and more people become content creators inside that company. So instead of the one person uh, on the team who's really, really good at content, who started the content initiative because they're good at it, now you've got this roster of content creators. Some of them are in marketing and sometimes they're not in marketing, right? In big companies, you, you typically have, you know, people from the engineering department or the R&D department or the sales department or whatever, um, who have to write blog posts or make videos or whatever, because it's their turn to do it. And we want to have everybody involved in content creation, which, yeah, I get that. But is Bill from engineering likely to create a breakthrough blog post? Right. No, no. no. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, it could happen. It's possible, right? It's possible, but it's not likely. And so ultimately, uh, you have to, I mean, content's more and more competitive, right? We've talked about that this whole show. And one of the things you might think about is, should we set this up so that the content we create is always created by people who are really, really good at this? Mm-hmm. And it didn't used to require that. Like back in the day, uh, and I mean, like six months ago, uh, you didn't, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't as important, um, to, to have that secret sauce, right. And that secret mm-hmm. sauce in a hyper competitive environment becomes more and more important. So it's something to think about is, is, are you, are you putting the best human capital against your content and frankly, your social, uh, and in some cases you're probably not. Right. Yeah. I, I see that all the time. I, I guess what I'm curious about is how about like for small businesses or even teams of one who may be trying to do it all is, is like kind of a, it's tough, right? So what would you say to them if they're asking the question, you know, Jay, I don't, I may not be the best writer or the best social yeah. media person, but what do I do? This is a, probably an anti buffer statement. So apologies, but no, no worries. I, I would find out the thing that you are the best at and do that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so if you think about, if you break, if you break social down, uh, into this is an oversimplification, but that's okay. If you break it down into three components, right, you've got writing, you've got video, you've got photos. Okay. You with me? I mean, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's more to it than that, but let's just say writing video photos. Okay. Nobody's great at all three of those. There are people Mm -hmm. who are good at all three of those, but nobody's great at all three of those. I would, if you're, if you're a solo practitioner, you know, you don't have a ton of resources, which of these three things are you best at? And I would put 80% of your time into that thing. I love that. 
because the chances of you breaking through are going to be way higher in a medium that you're good at. And frankly, probably a medium that you love. Yeah, absolutely. And people I can see tell, that people can tell if you're just, if you're just, if you're just painting by numbers, right? People can tell, right? You, right? you don't, you don't have that extra passion in it. And that passion goes a long way uh, in social success. It's one of the reasons why you guys are so successful because you believe it. Like you guys are in the corporate culture of buffer is one of the reasons why buffers content succeeds people think about those things as two different things, right? The content succeeds because it's good content and the culture succeeds because it's good culture, but one begets the other. And and that's not well understood, I think, um, amongst most people. So whatever part of social you love, that's the part you should do and have the courage to say, you know what, F it, I'm not gonna do videos anymore or I'm mm-hmm. not gonna write anymore because I don't love writing. Just stop, just stop doing it. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is if if you're passionate about what you do and you're committing to quality content, whether it be written form, video or photo, it will break out from the noise because you have a, a dedication to creating something unique. I mean, to summarize this whole thing, it used to be true that volume wins and now volume doesn't win. Relevancy right. wins. And so it's okay to do less as long as you're doing better with what remains. Love it. Jay, thank you so much. So we usually end this podcast off with three takeaways from our guests, but I feel like we just went through four kind of steps to, to fix your broken <laughs> content marketing. Yeah. But if you have like three quick things to tell our audience about maybe content sure. marketing, social media moving forward, what would you say? First takeaway is don't be afraid to change because the world is changing around you. The second thing is don't be afraid to do less because doing less can actually increase your results as opposed to decreasing your results. And third, don't fall into the trap that says the only way we can succeed today with social and content is by paying for reach because that's not necessarily true. You can still succeed organically if you focus on crafting those breakout hits. Excellent. Jay, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Uh, It was my pleasure. Let's do it again. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Science of Social Media with our guest, Jay Baer. And a huge thanks to Jay for sharing his expert insights with us. Haley and I are both super happy to hear from you on social media. It really does make our day. So please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter using the hashtag BufferPodcast or my personal handle is Brian underscore G underscore Peters. I'd love to continue the conversation with you there. I'd also love to quickly mention that your ratings and reviews are super helpful in the growth of our show. If you've been inspired or if our episode has helped you at all today, we'd greatly appreciate it if you'd be up for leaving a quick rating and review for us on iTunes. There's a ton of great episodes in our archives as well. If you'd like to hear more episodes just like this about the very best in social media marketing, you can find the science of social media on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Detailed show notes for this episode and more can be found at buffer.com slash podcast. And until next time, cheers to delivering unbelievable content.